Welcome back. Today's episode is a solo ranger episode. No co-host, just me. I'm Steph. Today's first story is about a strange cryptid I recently learned about, the Slide Rock Bolter. The Slide Rock Bolter is said to be a whale-sized beast that was first reported by lumberjacks in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. It is believed to live in the mountains of Colorado, but only on mountains where the slope is at an angle greater than 45 degrees. It has an immense head, small eyes, and a large mouth which is similar to a sculpin. If you don't know what sculpin are, they're a benthic fish that dwell at the bottom of bodies of water, such as rivers, submarine canyons, kelp forests, and tide pools. Their mouths are wide and large, similar to a frog. The slide rock bolter's tail ends in a fluke like a dolphin, with enormous grab hooks. The tail hooks allow it to cling to the top of steep mountains, where it waits for unexpected prey. The slide rock bolter is said to have caused great uneasiness among tourists visiting the mountains of Colorado. It will often remain motionless for days watching the gulch below for tourists or any other helpless creatures. Once it spots its prey, it will lift its tail to release its hold on the crest. As gravity sends it barreling downhill, it drools grease from the corners of its mouth to increase the speed of its huge body. The bolter scoops its victims into its mouth as it slides down. The accumulated speed will carry the bolter up to the next slope, where it once again will grasp the ridge with its tail and weight. There's a story of a ranger who patrolled the area between Orpher Peaks and Lizard Head. The ranger came up with an idea to set up a decoy tourist similar to a scarecrow. They dressed up the decoy in plaid shirt, knee breeches, and a guidebook to Colorado. It was filled with gunpowder, and the next day, it attracted the attention of a boulder that had been hanging on the slope of Lizard Head. When the bolter fell for the trap, it resulted in an explosion that flattened half of the area, and that area was never rebuilt. The remains of the creature is said to have fed the predators of that region for the entire rest of that season. The tale of the Slide Rock Bolter has made many tourists cautious about hiking the mountains of Colorado. Would you venture into Bolter country? I'm now going to shift to the northwest region of the country and tell you about a tale that comes from the Mount Rainier National Park. As you all know by now, I like to give a little information about the parks that I'm going to be talking about. Here's some information about Mount Rainier National Park. This active volcano sits at an elevation of 14,410 feet. It is a young volcano of only 500,000 years old, but has erupted thousands of times in its young life. It started to grow on top of a much older Mount Rainier that was active one to two million years ago. Because of multiple violent eruptions and landslide, the mountain shrunk 1,000 feet. But layers of lava from the last 2,000 years have built its height back up. Due to its history and proximity to the Seattle-Tacoma area, it is considered to be one of the most hazardous volcanoes in North America. Though it may sound scary, this should not keep you away from visiting. 
Volcano eruptions have precursors, such as increased earthquake activity, debris flows, flash floods, and rock falls. Although volcanism created this beautiful mountain, glaciers carved it. Glaciers created valleys and shaped peaks. The 25 named glaciers that dot its slopes today make up the greatest single peak glacial system in the contiguous United States. The park has a very short summer season, so it can get pretty crowded during these months. An estimated 2 million people visit yearly. The park is 369 square miles. It has 157 trails, three visitor centers, two inns, and several wilderness and camping centers. Entry fee is $15 for pedestrians and cyclists and $30 per vehicle. It was not predetermined that Mount Rainier would become a national park. A growing interest in timber led to the formation of the Pacific Forest Reserve in 1893. A 35-square-mile forest with Mount Rainier's summit on the western edge. In 1897, the area was renamed the Mount Rainier Forest Reserve, and the boundaries were greatly enlarged to the west and south. Lobbying for the reserve to become a national park started in 1893 by scientists, mountaineers, conservation groups, local business, and large railroad companies. And by 1899, Rainier Forest Reserve became the nation's fifth national park and was renamed Mount Rainier National Park. With 2 million people visiting the park yearly, it isn't surprising that there are many stories of sightings and strange encounters happening within the area. While scrolling through the internet, I found some stories on Reddit, and whether they're true or not, I still find them interesting. This park's forest has been the spot of many Bigfoot encounters, unexpected and unknown visitors to the campgrounds and UFO sightings. One Reddit user tells his story that while on a camping trip years ago with his family, he had an experience like no other. He proceeds to say that while his wife and daughter decided to sleep in their car because of the cold temperatures that night, he slept in the tent. In the middle of the night, he was woken up by rustling and chanting in his daughter's tent, which was next to his. He figured it was his wife and child who decided to sleep in their tent instead. He made note that he couldn't understand any of the quiet chatter coming from the tent and did notice that no real words were being spoken. A little bit later, he was woken up once again to footsteps around the camp. He brushed them off until the steps came to the entrance of his tent and stopped. He then heard a loud huff, like a horse, and then silence. He did not hear the mysterious creature enter the campsite or leave it. It was as he described, dead silent, and didn't hear any rustling leaves or twigs break as if something was walking through the forest around them. He stated that he stayed up until the sun rose before he left his tent. When he emerged, he checked all over the camp for disturbances or footprints, but found nothing. He also noticed that his wife and daughter were still asleep in the car and never went back into the tent. Later in the day, he described other strange things happening, such as a knock on a tree in the woods, a woman's scream, and a gorilla-like howl. Some say 
This sounds like he was visited by a none other than a Bigfoot. But what do you believe? Bigfoot has been the talk of the town since the early 1800s, with many people every year claiming to have seen or encountered one. Although we call them Bigfoot, it has many different names such as Sasquatch, Wild Man, and Yeti in the Himalayas. Bigfoot has been spotted in some national parks in the U.S. throughout the Northwest, Yosemite, Yellowstone, Mount Rainier, and Redwood, as well as British Columbia, Canada. In the Himalayas, the legend of the Yeti began with the Tibetan people, but one of the most famous tellings of a possible Yeti attack isn't in the Himalayas, but in Siberia. In February 1959, nine college students and skilled hikers set out on a hike throughout the Dyatlov Pass in Ural Mountain Range, Siberia. After several days into their journey, tragedy struck the group and all nine hikers were killed. It wasn't until eight days later that a search party was sent out to find them. When the search and rescue found their campsite, they immediately knew something was wrong. They found a tent which appeared to have been slashed open from the inside, hastily abandoned. The tent was half torn down and covered with snow, one of the rescuers later recalled. It was empty, and all the group's belongings and shoes were left behind. Several of the footprints were found in the deep snow, but they seemed to vanish just meters from the tent. The temperatures of that time of the year dropped to negative 30 degrees Celsius or 22 degrees Fahrenheit. With no sign of the hikers, the rescue team set up their camp to rest and restart their search again in the morning. It did not take the rescuers long to find the body of 21-year-old Yuri Tereshenko and 23-year-old Yuri Krevnyshenko at the edge of the forest about 1.5 kilometers or about one mile away from the tent. These young men were dressed only in their underwear and died of hypothermia. They also discovered the branches of the nearby tree were broken five meters up from the trunk. They both also appeared to have burns on their hands. The bodies of three more hikers were discovered. The group leader, Igor Dyatlov, 22-year-old Zenaida Kolmogorova, and Rustem Slobodin were found scattered in the snow between the forest and the tent. Although the three seemed to have died from hypothermia, a coroner found a small crack in Rustem's skull. The bodies of the remaining four members would not be discovered until later that year, when the ice and snow started to melt. The condition of their bodies sparked more questions. All four were found at the bottom of a ravine in a running stream of water. They met a brutal end. Nikolai suffered from a fatal skull injury. 20-year-old Lyudmila Dubinina, as well as 38-year-old Simeon Zolotaryov, had broken ribs and severe chest trauma. They were both missing eyes, and Lyudmila's tongue was gone. Alexander Kelevatov's neck was twisted and his eyebrows were missing. Several months after they found the remaining bodies, the Soviet Union declared that the hikers were killed by an unsurmountable force of nature. The investigation was closed and declared top secret. The hikers never reached the ridge they were climbing towards, but today it bears their name, 
The Dyatlov Pass honors the group leader, Igor Dyatlov, who planned that adventure with his friends. Many theorize that this may have been a Yeti attack. Others say an alien abduction gone wrong. Maybe they stumbled into a military experiment. Whichever it is, Soviet-era Russia made sure we wouldn't find out. Thanks for listening. All the sources for this episode will be put into the show notes. New episodes every Monday and Wednesday. Follow my Instagram at brushes underscore two underscore branches. Do you have any unexplained stories of the wilderness that you need to be heard? Email me at phonehomepodcast at gmail.com. Stay safe.